Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, a cool conversation with just a super successful entrepreneur, Dave Samuel. I wanted to continue talking about something that I said last week. I talked about not making excuses for yourself and just going out and accomplishing what you want. It's probably something I talk about most weeks. Uh, but after thinking about it this week and speaking with a couple buddies about it, I wanted to add a little more color here. I have a super strong drive inside of me. I kind of even like hearing no sometimes because then it gives me an opportunity to prove someone wrong, work harder, find a creative solution. So it's been programmed into me that I can make happen whatever I set my mind to. I mean, I broke into one of the most prestigious investment banking groups from a non-target off-cycle, and now I'm applying that determination to my startup. The results are still TBD, and while I can't say that Pay Club is going to work, what I can say is that I'm going to work as hard as I can to put us in the best position, and then we'll see what the universe decides. But what I learned this week is that that confidence that I have to go out and attack life, that's not programmed into everyone like it is with me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I really, I don't want to be insensitive to people's feelings here. If you feel a certain way, then that's real. All I'm trying to do here is peel off some of the shitty things that like our culture, society puts on us that says you can't do something if you're from a particular background. I hate that. But unfortunately, it's just part of our our culture. So to the person that asked me about having more people of color on the pod, I'm going to make that happen. We'll get some more diverse points of view on here. Finally, I shaved my beard this week. I've had it for probably close to four years. It wasn't long or anything. I kept it trim on the shortest setting that my buzzer had. But a couple weeks ago, my wife Mari made a comment about wanting to see me without a beard. So I surprised her. And was she surprised? She came home, kissed me, and she didn't even notice. I have now been giving her shit about it for the past couple of days. Um, But I don't know. There's there's probably something to talk about here, some kind of lesson about perception or change. But whatever, this this rant's already been deep enough. So that's it. I got to start thinking about New Year's resolutions now. That'll be for next week. Let's get into the interview. Dave Samuel from Freestyle VC. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Yeah, I've been excited to speak with you. You're a super successful entrepreneur, and now, like so many entrepreneurs, you've turned to the venture investing world. But before we get into venture capital and what you do now, we got to go through your 
entrepreneurial journey, the ups, the downs. I gotta, we gotta hear how that all began. That sounds great. Well, once again, thanks for inviting me, um, Alex. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things I think about is, um, you know, are entrepreneurs uh, born or are they made? And um, part of my analysis has actually um, come up with it. I think um, many entrepreneurs are born that way. Uh, And so if I look back to my background, um, I started kind of building things and being entrepreneurial um, back in elementary school. Uh, and, and so I was fortunate back in the day, um, once again, dating myself today, I'm 46, but back in the day, the job that kids our age in elementary school could have was the paper route. And I, um, I believe that most 40 something entrepreneurs that you find, uh, more than 50% likely had a paper route if they were living someplace in America because uh, they wanted to kind of start doing something by themselves. And uh, and that's what I did in third and fourth grade. In fifth grade, I started my, my first little business called Thriller Designs. And in sixth grade, I started a mobile DJ service called Sounds Limited. You jump forward, I was fortunate enough to be accepted into MIT. And that was just kind of, um, you know, me uh, really embracing my my nerd and geek side of things and um and i really enjoyed computers and uh and my first job back in 94 was to come work at oracle i grew up in maine i'd heard about silicon valley i was like you know i really like to understand a little bit more about what it's like out in silicon valley because even back in the 90s you kind of heard of entrepreneurs um starting to come there Obviously, you jump forward to today, it is the startup capital of the world. Um, but, but back in 94, my first job was at Oracle, a great first job out of college. And, and my timing was, was really good with basically the birth of the Internet as we know it, which was um, when Netscape went public. In August of 95, Netscape, the first Internet browser, uh, went public. And this kind of opened the eyes to both entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, the public publicly trading uh, entities of hedge funds and and fund managers that the internet um, had the ability for kind of wealth creation and hey this looks like this is could be something big so you mix kind of my love of music from my dj days my days at oracle with the database of music and you mix the internet and you kind of have um, my first kind of real venture back company which is which is a company called spinner Spinner was the first internet radio service. Um, I launched that service on April 1st, 1996 with six channels of commercial free music. And there were lots of firsts um, back then. Even the simplicity of having the song information being displayed while you were listening to the song. I know it seems so commonplace today, 22 years later, but it really was kind of the first, you know, we were kind of the first ones to do that. Um, we had a relationship with CD Now, which is long since gone, but CD Now was the first CD store that you could buy compact discs, you know, via the mail. And when you were listening to a song, you could click buy the CD and that CD would end up in your shopping cart and you could, you know, have that CD shipped right to your house, which was kind of a new thing. So, um, that was kind of, you know, if you look early on in my entrepreneurial journey to kind of my venture back startup, which we then raised, traditional venture from and uh and then AOL acquired that business in May of 99 and that was a great exit for both myself the employees and the venture investors that we had and AOL um I think 
you know, got a great deal with that radio investment and AOL, I'm sorry, uh, Spinner became AOL Radio and and that continued to grow as AOL was growing um, at least for a few years and then kind of the dot-com explosion happened. Um, I've since started a few companies since then and um, I can talk more about those companies, Alex, but I've been doing a bunch of talking and I don't know if I should touch upon any things back um, before year 2000 or if, you, if I may just continue on with just a few other companies that I've started. Yeah. Let me ask you one question there, Dave, on, 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 on the early part of your life. So you're this entrepreneurial kid, you're starting all these businesses, you go to MIT and you come out. Did you think before you got that job at Oracle, were you thinking, I'm going to just start another business after I graduate from school or like, what was it inside of you that said, Oh, go work for a big tech company? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I think that, well, A, I wanted the financial help to actually move to Silicon Valley. Uh, and my job at Oracle, you know, crazily in 1994, I, you know, was making more money than my dad and my mom who had been in the workforce for, you know, 25 years. Cause I was a, a techie, uh, and, um, you know, back then techies were, were paid well, and I was an engineer and, you know, today engineers are paid well. So I did use it as a stepping stone to financially help me move here though I always kind of knew that I wanted to start a company, um, but, I, but I didn't know what the company was. Uh, and I will say that at the time when I started Spinner, I was thinking that I would do it for a few years and then I would go back and get my MBA. That was kind of, you know, the suggested plan of, of you know, being a successful businessman or business person. Uh, but I, you know, learned so much at Spinner that I, you know, that was my MBA. Um, and so I never, you know, I never went and did any additional school, additional schooling. Um, but that was kind of, um, you know, the path, uh, that thankfully I, I, you know, chosen. Right. So Dave, tell us where the idea came from, like how you, you know, mustered up the confidence to leave Oracle and start doing this. Like how did, how did that all logistically work then? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think I was actually looking at digital radio back when I was at, um, MIT. And so you had this notion of analog radio, which still exists today. So basically you had, you know, the notion of AM and, and FM radio, which was analog. But um, I was thinking about, could you, you know, could you transmit radio digitally with more information? And, uh, and so um, that was kind of the early thing. And then when the internet came along, I was like, wow, we could actually stream this music um, via, um, you know, via the internet. So it was just something that I'd been thinking about at MIT, and then um, the internet allowed us to do that. Crazily, just really dating myself, is, is when we launched Spinner, the fastest modem was a 14 4K modem, which is hard to even like understand how small a straw that is compared to the pipes that we have today. Um, and also, when you bought a computer, which was the Dell Pentium primarily, um, that computer didn't come with a sound card in it. So all that computer could do was typically beep, and you had to actually request a sound blaster card. So it was, you know, early on, um, but I was fortunate to, um, to, you know, kind of be there. And I do remember how nervous I was with both telling my boss at Oracle and telling my parents that I was um, quitting. Um, because it, you know, was, it was a big, it was a big deal. Um, and you know, I think as I've talked to other entrepreneurs, 
I, you know, I think um, many of them knew early on that they were entrepreneurial. Um, and as I think about um, my kids or, you know, my uh, young friends thinking about what they want to do next, um, you know, right now, Silicon Valley is still kind of the startup capital of the world. And if, you know, if you want to kind of in, invent um, and build something in tech, I really think, you know, coming to Silicon Valley, though it is very expensive, is really a great, um, is, is a great step. As you look at other areas of the United States, you know, if you want to do something in finance, I think you got to be in New York. If you want to do something in entertainment, I think you need to be in LA. Like that's where kind of the, you know, the experts um, exist within those, um, within those different verticals. You know, we've seen breakout tech companies in other areas with Snapchat, you know, coming out of L.A. And there's been a few breakouts in New York, but really 80 to 90 percent of them right here in Silicon Valley. If you're thinking tech is is where you, um, you know, is where you want to go. Right. Okay. so, yeah, I mean, I completely can sympathize. I mean, I'm with that uh, idea of giving up a job that's paying more than your parents have ever made to go take this risk, follow a passion, but okay, you do it and you have this huge win. So obviously you're an entrepreneurial guy, like that never dies inside of you, but like what changes inside of you after you have like a big win like that? Well, I, I will say like, you know, the day that we sold the business, um, which was, um, it was actually right around my 27th birthday. So, um, my my twenty seventh birthday was May twenty fourth, and we actually signed we we actually signed and penned the deal on May twenty seventh. Uh, you know, I just remember a huge weight coming off my shoulder, um, where um, I was able to both have um, you know the financial success personally, but then also be able to tell the employees, "Hey, guess what? Your options are worth X amount of dollars." And then the investors, who are both a combination of family and just um, you know, business acquaintances and basically say, Hey, your investment is worth X million dollars. It was just, you know, a a huge, both celebration and a weight taken off my shoulder. I, but you know, I'm, I'm entrepreneurial by heart. And so I wanted to jump back in and say, Hey, you know, what else can I build? What else can I do? And, um, and so, you know, at the time we, we were very fortunate in the fact that we sold basically less than a year before, um, uh, the dot-com implosion started. So we sold in May of 99. In April of 2000, that was when the crack started to appear within the craziness of uh, of the Web 1.0 euphoria. And so when I left, I was at AOL for about a year. And when I left, I was looking to start a few software companies, but um, basically you couldn't be a dot-comer, you know, in 2000. Nobody was funding them. And it was just, uh, it was just not an, not an easy place to, to play. Um, and so crazily, my next company was, uh, in the toilet seat space. You're like, wow, Alex toilets. I'm like, yeah, well it was. Um, and so I started a company called Brondell, B-R-O-N-D-E-L-L. And, um, I'd been to Japan four to six times, um, between, you know, kind of in my college years. And then we had some business deals to spinner and, 
Um, for those who have been to Japan, they've most likely experienced a high-tech toilet seat, and that's kind of a heated seat, warm water bidet, deodorizer, um, like a bunch of kind of technology comfort and hygiene built around the toilet. And, um, and that's what, um, and so basically I wanted to bring that to America. So I brought that to America via, um, via, um, Brondell. And so I started that business in 2001 slash 2002 and Mark Cuban of both the Mavericks and, um, Shark Tank, he, he co-led the, you know, the first round of financing with me back in the day. And that company, um, you know, is a private company today, continues to grow, and we're the largest American manufacturer of high-tech toilet seats. And, and so that business, um, you know, I, I, I feel good about where that business is, and it will continue to grow. I then repartnered with my business partner from Spinner, and we started a company called Crackle. That was in 04, and in 06, um, Crackle was acquired by Sony, and we were there for about a year and a half. Crackle was in the internet video vertical, and um, and so that was a great experience. And then Josh and I, my business partner from Spinner and Crackle, started Freestyle, and we basically were kind of investing our own capital and then said, hey, what if we were to kind of do it under an umbrella? And so we we created the entity freestyle and then we raised other people's capital and we've been kind of doing that for roughly nine years. And today we're investing from our fourth fund. It's a $90 million vehicle. We're focused on um, tech seed and I, you know, continue to enjoy working closely with entrepreneurs and uh, but not necessarily Day, you know, managing anybody on a day-to-day basis. And so it's been, it's been great where I kind of have the, you know, some of the juice from some of the entrepreneurial juice because I'm fr- from the proximity, but I don't necessarily have the the day-to-day stress of, you know, managing um, a business as a CEO. So it's, it's, for me, it's been kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, you, you hear this a lot, like, you were a successful founder numerous times. There's a lot of ups and downs. It's stressful. It's hard. Uh, and then you get into the investing world, and that can kind of fulfill a lot of the same needs and wants that starting a business can do. You're exposed to awesome people that think they're going to change the world, but you don't have to have so much of the stress of actually building a business. So is, is that kind of how you look at it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think... You know, I, I, I think you summarized it well. Like I, you know, love working with entrepreneurs. I love the startup business. Some people, when they look to go from, you know, as they look to get into kind of the venture business, they might also explore kind of the private equity business. And the main thing with private equity is you're typically managing more, more money And, you know, that was something that Josh and I thought about. We could say, hey, well, what if we were to do, you know, later stage venture capital? What if we were to do private equity? We'd be playing with larger dollar amounts. But but we decided that we just enjoy the sub hundred million dollar market. And we enjoyed working with companies that like when we join them or we participate in investing with them, they're typically, you know, a small team. And we just kind of like the real, you know, the early stage um, stages, uh, of a company versus, you know, a company that's going to be in a growth stage of going from, you know, 200 employees to 500 employees. Like 
that's an important part of a growth cycle for a company. It's just not the area that freestyle likes to focus on. Yeah. Okay. So Dave, I mean, it's clear that after a win like Spinner, now everyone wants to do business with you, right? Like that's how you get Mark Cuban. That's how it's, you know, the second and third and fourth businesses they are always a lot easier than the first one, but your first one was such a success. So like, where are the failures here? You know, it sounds like you've gone from win to win to win. So, you know, I, um, I have been fortunate. I think, um, being entrepreneurial luck is an important part of the factor. Uh, one of my friends about 10 years ago wrote a book about how do you, I think it was called like, how do you, how to position yourself to be lucky. And he was just analyzing startups and entrepreneurs of like, how do you position yourself to be lucky? So I've, I've been fortunate to, you know, be in the right place at the right time. Um, and as I've told many entrepreneurs and investors, like luck is an important factor. Um, I, you know, when I talk about uh, failures, I guess, from an entrepreneurial perspective, I've not necessarily started a business that's failed yet. We've definitely, you know, for freestyle, we've done close to 100 deals since we started freestyle. And definitely we've had, you know, deaths uh, with um, some of our investments that we've made. And that's, you know, that's just definitely part of the business. I think one of the the great things about Silicon Valley is, um, you know, people are acceptance. There's kind of an acceptance of failure. You know, it's not like we don't want to, um, you know, we don't want to promote failure, but it's, it's in some cultures, if you were to start something and you were to fail, it would be, it would be drastically, you know, terrible for, for you and, maybe your family and it would be difficult for you to like save face in the environment. But here in Silicon Valley, it's just, I think it's known that, Hey, like, you know, one in 10 companies is really going to succeed and one in a hundred companies is going to break out. And so, um, that's just, you know, part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this has been, it's been pretty fun hearing this, you know, your success to success, but I'd love to hear what you would tell, I mean, you have four kids, like one of them's about to graduate from college. They're not sure what they want to do. You know, what are you telling someone like that or, or, or one of your, one of your kids? Well, I think, so my business partner, Josh graduated from Duke and we have a, uh, a Duke, um, intern program where I think this year we have seven Duke students who are working at freestyle portfolio companies this summer. And, you know, I think so. My my biggest piece of advice is if you like tech, it's most likely the best way to entrepreneurially start a company in tech is to work, you know, in tech initially. And if and I also think that starting at more of a startup would be very beneficial f- for you. So if you can somehow network your way into a startup. Um, some ideas you could think about is there's a, there's a website called venture loop, venture loop that has the job openings of venture backed businesses. Um, you could, 
start, well, definitely reading TechCrunch or Crunchbase to kind of understand what companies have recently raised rounds of financing. Crunchbase has a list of companies, like really just kind of who's closed rounds of financing and just kind of look at those and say, hey, this kind of looks interesting. Like WAG just raised a large round of financing. It's one of our seed companies that we did and they're hiring a lot of people. And if you like dogs and you're like, you know, this would be interesting, then, you know, I would, I would go interview at WAG. If you are, you know, into music and you're an artist, Patreon, which is one of the seed deals we did, um, you know, raised capital recently and they're, you know, hiring. So those are larger companies as two I just mentioned. And then there's, you know, much younger ones that, uh, you know, might be 20 employees and they're just looking, you know, looking to hire. So my suggestion is if you want to do the startup thing, I think the best thing is actually work at a startup. And then the second best would be just to get at a tech company that, that you can learn item, you know, learn things from. So as I did, I, I went to work at Oracle. You've got these obviously large pillar companies, Amazon, Google, um, and, uh, you know, these at Facebook, um, Twitter, um, Airbnb, Dropbox, like these are kind of, you know, large pillar companies that have, um, I think a great workforce and those would also be beneficial of just kind of getting you in the, in the mood and the mode for tech. And in many instances, um, entrepreneurs see a, a problem with the way this company is doing things or, or maybe an inefficiency with, with what they're doing at the business. And that's actually the seed for starting, you know, starting this new thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dave, I, I love the advice. Your story was a lot of fun to hear. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it here, but this was so much fun talking with you. Thanks a lot for doing it. Great. Well, Alex, thanks a lot for, you know, helping educate, uh, you know, future entrepreneurs. Um, Josh, Jenny, and I, the three GPs here at, at Freestyle, you know, want to see, you know, all entrepreneurs succeed. And we know that's not possible, but we, you know, want to be as helpful as possible with, with getting them there. So thanks for, for doing this and hearing some of my stories and um, I'm sure our paths will cross again in the future. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. Let me know what you think. Please leave me a review on iTunes and tell your friends about this podcast. Thanks.